In March of 1950, a well-known radio personality, Ralph Edwards, promised to host the 10th anniversary broadcast of his show from whichever town in America consented to rename itself with the title of the show. The desert town of Hot Springs, New Mexico, was the first to answer the call, and so, on March 31st of that year, adopted the name Truth or Consequences. Even by the eccentric standards of the American frontier, it is an evocative name, and it is one that investors would do well to ponder when considering the federal deficit. The truth is America's finances have been deteriorating for almost two decades. In October 2000, the Treasury Department announced a budget surplus for the just-ended fiscal year of $236 billion, or 2.3% of GDP. The federal debt amounted to just over $3.4 trillion, or 34% of GDP. Since then, two recessions, two wars, two major tax cuts, and one major fiscal stimulus package, combined with pressures from an aging population and sluggish economic growth, have generated a long string of deficits and rising debt. In fiscal year 2019, which ended on September 30th, the deficit amounted to $984 billion, or 4.6% of GDP, with the national debt swelling to $16.8 trillion, or 79% of GDP. The Congressional Budget Office forecasts that under current policies the deficit will exceed $1 trillion over each of the next nine fiscal years, boosting the debt to over $29 trillion by 2029, or 95% of GDP. And even this is likely optimistic, as it includes the dubious assumption that almost all of the individual income tax cuts in the 2017 Tax Act will expire at the end of 2025. There's little evidence the economy has actually benefited from all this deficit spending. In fact, over the past 19 years, real GDP growth has averaged just 2.0%, compared to 3.5% over the previous 50. Even the latest tax cut, which cost almost $1.5 trillion and which was promoted as a way to boost trend real GDP growth to over 3%, appears to have fostered just one year of roughly 3% growth in 2018, with year-over-year growth settling back down to 2% in the third quarter of 2019. So why hasn't all this deficit spending produced more economic growth? The answer lies in understanding the drivers of both aggregate demand and aggregate supply in the U.S. economy. On the demand side, it first needs to be remembered that any boost in the deficit only has a one-time impact on economic growth unless it fundamentally increases the productive capacity of the economy. So, for example, moving from a deficit of 3.5% of GDP in fiscal 2017 to 4.6% of GDP in fiscal 2019 and holding that percent of GDP would boost real GDP growth for two years at most before we return to the old growth rate with the now new, higher deficit-to-GDP ratio. Second, over the last two decades, much of the extra demand from higher budget deficits has leaked out of the U.S. in the form of trade deficits, due in part to the high level of the dollar. The government spending beyond its means has simply enabled the nation to consume more than it produces, resulting in higher imports. Third, rising inequality has funneled income towards richer households that save a greater share of their income. This would not necessarily starve the economy of demand if those savings were then directed towards physical investment spending. However, to the extent that these savings simply serve to bid up stock, bond and real estate prices, they've done little to promote stronger demand. This brings us to the supply side. Some have argued that if only we'd had a lower dollar or better trade agreements or more spending on bridges and roads, the economy would have grown faster. But this ignores the fact that 19 years of 2.0% economic growth, meagre as it seems, has culminated in the lowest unemployment rate since 1969. The truth is that the economy can only grow as fast as the growth in the number of workers and the growth in their productivity. 
The retirement of the baby boom and a crackdown on immigration is severely limiting labour supply. While a lack of capital spending, part of the result of trade uncertainty, is preventing a surge in output per worker. The lesson from this is that other federal government actions are hindering the growth in the economy's productive capacity, and without that growth, even if deficits led to a surge in aggregate demand, they wouldn't result in noticeably faster economic growth. So what are the consequences of surging deficits and debt? Well, in theory, a deficit means the government is putting more money into the economy in the form of spending, and it's taking out the form of taxes. This could result in excess demand and higher inflation. Higher inflation should mean higher interest rates. Higher interest rates should make deficits worse by increasing the cost of financing. At an extreme, global investors could lose faith in the creditworthiness of treasuries, leading to even higher interest rates and perhaps a collapse in the dollar. Well, that's the theory. However, in practice, rising deficits have not meant too much demand for the economy overall, as private sector demand has been lackluster. This, combined with increasingly competitive consumer markets, has held inflation at bay. Central banks, a little obsessed with the issue of low inflation, have implemented ultra-easy monetary policies which, while ineffective at stimulating demand, have further lowered market interest rates. And very low interest rates on government debt have, of course, squelched concerns about the ability of the government to finance the debt. Going forward, this narrative could continue, at least in the medium term, so investors should perhaps not worry too much about deficits causing an interest rate spike. However, there are still four things they should be concerned about. First, while inflation is dormant, it's not dead, and it is still possible that this long expansion will end with accelerating wages, boosting inflation and interest rates, hurting bond investors. Second, even if interest rates just stay stable, an increasing share of tax revenue will be devoted to interest payments going forward, pressuring the federal government to raise taxes. If this includes a reversal of the recent corporate tax cut, it would have seriously negative consequences for corporate earnings and stock prices, hurting stockholders. Third, non-U.S. investors and governments own roughly $6.9 trillion of the U.S. federal debt, and this amount is likely to grow quickly over time. As the cost of servicing this debt rises, an increasing share of U.S. tax revenue will go to pay foreign bondholders, squeezing the rest of government spending. Finally, and most ominously, the lack of consequences from the deficit so far has convinced some politicians and voters that there never will be any negative consequences. However, the reason deficits haven't led to higher inflation is they've not succeeded in stoking aggregate demand. Any aggressive use of the tax code to redistribute income or deficit finance infrastructure spending could change this and finally set in train many of the long-avoided consequences of U.S. fiscal largesse. In the week ahead, the government will likely pass another continuing resolution to keep the government open and there seems to be very little appetite for tackling the deficit. However, investors should continue to keep spiraling federal debt on their long-term radar. In the long run, those who ignore the fiscal truth could end up suffering some unpleasant investment consequences. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. 
any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.